This reading is presented with permission from Scholastic. With the contest getting closer and closer to the end, the pressure to make $500 is really starting to get to Otto. In chapters 19 and 20, Let's see how this is starting to affect his friendships, soccer, and school. Let's also find out what was Lexi's new idea on how she was going to make more money. Chapter 19 Monday, March 19th, money saved, $150.77. My list of things I owed mom was getting pretty long, so I didn't want to use any more of her printer toner unless I really, really had to. Luckily, students can use the color printer in the main office at school for free. You're only supposed to print a single copy of something, but no one watches you. About a month ago, I made a hundred copies of a picture instead of one copy just by accidentally pressing a couple of zeros. So when I printed my dog walking flyers, no one noticed I made 36 copies. It also helped that I made copies at the end of the day when everyone just wanted to go home. I think those office people got more excited about the school bell than us kids did. Armed with my pile of color flyers, I went to get my backpack out of my locker. Like always, I tried to avoid staring at those stupid Lexi tutoring signs on the walls, but I still peeked, just a little, and I immediately noticed something different about them. I stopped, frozen. It was a horrifying sight, a vision I thought might creep into my brain and give me spine-chilling nightmares for weeks on end, I stared at a wall of glitter, but they weren't Lexi's tutoring signs on the walls. These were new. A dozen giant poster boards lined the hallway, each screaming the message, vote for Smote, Carly Smote for student body president. I didn't have anything against Carly. I knew who she was, sort of. But I stared at the caked-on glitter, the fancy lettering, the immaculately detailed picture of a goat. Don't be a goat. Vote for Smoot. Well, that didn't make a whole lot of sense, but the goat picture was pretty impressive. There was only one person who could have made these posters. Lexi. As I plodded down the hall, gasping, gaping at every sign, I heard voices from around the corner. I recognized the evil voice of Lexi. I stopped, listening. I wasn't eavesdropping, though. It never, it's never okay to eavesdrop. I was spying. There's a big difference. Those signs are really good, said a boy's voice. Thanks, said Lexi. They were a lot of work. How much is she paying you? I shouldn't say. I'll double it. I need signs like those. I don't know. I promised Carly I'd help her out, said Lexi. I'll triple the price. 
You have yourself a deal. As the sounds of their footsteps faded away, I stood in my spot, fuming, sign-making. That must have been the new money-making idea Lexi mentioned at dinner. I looked down at my 36 pathetic copy-paper-sized flyers. I had a little time before my first dog-walking appointment. I hurried back to the office to make more copies. Malcolm stopped over at the house in between dog-walking jobs. He bragged at lunch about his soccer juggling, and I bet him $10 I could beat him blindfolded. I was the soccer star, not him, and I could use all the extra cash I could. I was in a good mood despite the dog party debacle because we got our Civil War test back, and I got a D, which means I didn't flunk. But after class, Miss Swift asked me if anything was wrong and said I needed to bring my grade up or she would call my mom. Calling mom would not be good. I assured my teacher everything was perfect and I would do better next time. And she absolutely, unquestionably sure Abraham Lincoln didn't live at the Gettysburg Address. She said she was absolutely sure. Watching this fancy dribbling. Watch this fancy dribbling. I boomed to Malcolm in my backyard. I bounced the ball on my left knee, my right knee, and then it hit my chin and bounced away. Impressive, jeered Malcolm. He then kneed the ball back and forth and from one foot to the other. He juggled and juggled and juggled up and down and over and back. You owe me $10. I shook my head. I said I could beat you blindfolded, but we don't have a blindfold, so I guess we'll never know. Saved by technicality. You could close your eyes. Not the same thing at all. Malcolm still juggled. He kicked it off his foot and then back to his knee and then performed a nice fake wave with one foot before spinning it up in the other. I should never have taught him that move. Show off, I spat. I can beat you with two legs tied behind my back, you know. I crowed, trying to act confident, but I didn't feel confident at all. How is that even possible, he asked. Really? Both legs tied behind you? What would you kick with? Okay, well, maybe not both legs then, he admitted. One leg. I can beat you with one leg tied behind my back. Still impossible. What are you going to stand on when you kick? Well, I can beat you with nothing tied. I think your brain is tied, laughed Malcolm. The entire time, he still juggled. The ball never hit the ground. It was really annoying. I knew it was I knew it wasn't his fault he was better than me at everything these days. Well, maybe it was his fault. He could miss a few soccer kicks at practice to make me feel better, or at least one. He didn't have to be so much of a show off. And maybe if he helped me more, I'd have more money and I wouldn't be almost flunking classes. I walked over and I shoved him. The ball bounced away. What'd you do that for? I shrugged. I have to go inside and get ready for my next appointment. Malcolm checked his watch. We have a minute. I'm in charge, and I say we don't. You're in charge of time, asked Malcolm, like father time. Exactly, I grunted. I am the lord and master of all that is time-related and all things dog-walking related, too. Don't forget that. My business. You just work for me. Malcolm picked up the ball. You're getting a little bossy. He huffed as he followed me inside the house. Well, I am the boss, he snapped. So what else would I be? I don't know. Nice. 
Bosses aren't nice, I retorted. Don't you watch TV? Bakery bosses, dance bosses, restaurant bosses, all mean. That's the way things get done. I stomped upstairs to my room and Malcolm followed. I grabbed the stack of flyers from school and shoved them at him. Now, I need you to go around town and post these signs up. After the dog party debacle, I need more customers. I spoke in my best boss voice and get a move on it. I'm the organizer and money guy, not the sign taper. Malcolm folded his arms and didn't even reach for my flyers. You're what I say you are. I'm in charge, remember? And I thrust the stack at him again, but he didn't grab it. You could at least say, please. Bosses never say please or thank you. They just say, do this and you're fired. I thought Malcolm knew a lot about economics, but apparently he didn't know how business worked at all. Or do you just want to go around showing off your soccer moves instead? I barked. What does that mean? You know. I hissed. Well, I'm not putting up your stupid signs. They're not stupid. What does this say? I demanded as I jabbed the paper with my finger. Malcolm squinted in red. I'll walk your dog and clean up too, even if he goes up, goes number two. Pretty good, huh? That's not what I was pointing to. No, below it, I snarled. Malcolm looked more closely at my flyer. You ought to call Otto's dog walking service. Exactly. Otto, me, your name is not here. I jabbed the page harder. We talked about this. This is my business. What I say goes. Does it say you ought to call Otto and his stupid and lame assistant Malcolm's dog walking service? No, it doesn't. I don't care. I'm not putting up signs. He crossed his arms. And you're stupid and lame. You're a mold-faced brain drain, I replied, crossing my arms too, only I crossed mine a little higher. You're an IQ challenge wombat. You're an empty-headed vacuum head. You're a mulch-breathing hamster-eating vomit brain swimming in stink. You know, the worst part of an insult? He didn't even smile when he said it. Well, so are you, I sputtered. You know what? I don't need your stupid 20%. Just forget it. I quit. Malcolm wheeled around and headed towards the door. You can't quit. You're fired, I yelled back. I'd rather keep your half of the money anyway. 20% is not half, hollered Malcolm as he reached the front door. Says you. No, says the whole math world. Malcolm slammed the door behind him. Who needed a show-off like him anyway? All I needed was a dog. I didn't want any help or even a stupid best friend. A dog was a man's best friend. When I won this challenge, I'd have my own best friend jumping and licking me. Dogs don't insult you, and they never, ever, ever quit their jobs. You're late, barked Coach Drago, looking at his watch. It wasn't really my fault. Mitzi, the German shepherd, just wouldn't go to the bathroom. Some of these dogs are way too choosy about where they poop. You'd think they every swatch of lawn was the same. Then, when Mitzi finally squatted, I realized I'd left my plastic cleanup baggies at home, so we had to run away really fast. No one saw us, but some poor family was going to find a surprise on their lawn. I felt a little bad. 
But what was I supposed to do? Put it in my pocket? But at least I showed up at practice. Coach should have been happy to see me, but he didn't act like it. I've been busy, I explained. You need to be here. You need to be on time. You're not committed to this team. I play kids who are. Yes, coach. I know, coach, I said, frowning so he knew I was serious. But I have a good reason. Do you like dogs or cats? Cats. Why? Never mind. Malcolm frowned at me, but I returned it with an even nastier frown of my own. I showed him my awesome soccer talents. He'd see I wasn't the boss of him just in the business world, but on the playing field too. And it was about time I put him in his place. I joined the line for shooting drills. The team was already practicing them. It was pretty simple. Take the pass, one dribble and shoot. Otto, what are you doing? Yelled the coach. My shot bounced meekly to the left about 10 feet away from the goal. Sorry, I mumbled. The bench needs more bench warmers. Yes, coach. Sorry, coach. Malcolm was next, and he buried his shot into the top corner of the net. It even had a slight bend. Where did that come from? That's how it's done, yelled Coach Drago, clapping. Nice shot. Eric Lansing, our midfielder, then ran up, dribbled, and kicked a laser into the back of the net. Beautiful kick, shouted our coach. I stood in line, waiting for my next turn. Malcolm was in back of me. You don't think Coach would really bench me, do you? I grumbled. I think Coach should play the guys who show up to practice on time. And he turned his back to talk to Kyle Krovich, completely ignoring me. Soon it was my turn again. I concentrated as hard as I could. I stared laser beams into that ball. Then I stutter-stepped and kicked more mightily than anyone had ever kicked a ball before in the world's history of soccer kicking. I imagined the ball ripping through the net, leaving Malcolm and Coach Drago's mouth open in awed wonder. I missed the ball completely. I waved my arms like a chicken, and particularly clumsy chicken, before toppling over and landing on my butt. Coach Draco didn't say anything. He wasn't smiling either. I didn't even look at Malcolm. I'm pretty sure he, on the other hand, smiled broadly. I sat at the kitchen table after dinner. Lexi was in her room, which is where she'd been all afternoon with her door closed. She was probably making signs that very moment. The downstairs was dark except for the light over my head shining down on the math worksheets in front of me. I needed to catch up on my schoolwork. But my eyes were heavy and the numbers on the pages kept blurring together. Maybe if I had listened in class, I would know what I was supposed to do, but I found the day went by much faster if I doodled dog pictures. I was getting pretty good at them. If we had a dog doodling test at school, I'd probably get an A. But here at the kitchen table, I just wanted to sleep dog walking, soccer practice. It was all exhausting. I stood up, opened the refrigerator, and took out a bottle of horseradish. I dipped my finger in the jar and then plunged it into my mouth. Every nerve in my body jumped up in shocked disgust as the horror of the spice-filled yuckiness seeped through my throat. I grabbed a glass and filled it with water, but even after gulping it down, and a second glass too, the terrible taste still coated my tongue in such sheer, bold thickness that I worried the pungent horseradish flavor might last forever. But it did wake me up. Mission accomplished. Mom drinks coffee to wake herself up, but I should tell her about the horseradish trick. 
I finished one side of the first math worksheet, although I'm not sure the answers were exactly right. I didn't completely understand this whole radius concept, but at least there were answers on the page. I turned the worksheet over and began side two. I didn't want to think about how many more worksheets I still had to get through tonight, and I still needed to do my assigned reading in language arts. The horseradish taste faded away after a few minutes, and so did my wakefulness. I don't remember my dream exactly, but I do remember a cat yelling at me about being late and Coach Drago purring on my lap. Lexi was laughing, and Malcolm was juggling jars of horseradish with his feet. I'm unsure how long I slept, but when I awoke, I found my head lying on the worksheet in the rest of the house fast asleep. I sighed and took a complete stab in the dark as to the area of a circle. Lexi didn't have to worry about her grades. That always came easy for her. She didn't face the problems I did. She was good at everything. It wasn't fair. I blamed Dad. And Mom. But that was just another reason why it was crucial that I won this war. I needed to show her and Mom, and I guess even myself, that I was better than Lexi at something important. I sighed and turned my attention once again to the worksheets, trying to remember what the difference was between a circumference and a diameter. I had no idea. Maybe I would remember after I took a nap on the kitchen table. Big yawn crept out of my mouth. And as my eyes closed, I noticed my soccer cleats in the middle of the floor. I needed to put them away as soon as I woke up. Chapter 20, Tuesday, March 20th through Wednesday, March 21st. Money saved, $176.77. At least with Malcolm out of the picture, I kept every penny I earned. I needed him anyway. I could do just fine without him. If only I could read my handwriting. I really needed to work on my penmanship. I went to the wrong houses. I accidentally showed up at the wrong times. I even charged people the wrong amount of money. The worst money exchange happened when I dropped off Chucky the Chihuahua. That's $6, please, I said to Miss Greenleaf. I have a 10, she said, dipping into her purse. Do you have change? I counted out four singles. Here you go. Wait, here's a 20. No problem. And I counted out five more singles and a five. I don't want all these singles. And she handed five of them back to me. Can I have another $5 bill? Sure. I gave her one. Oh, look, I have a 10. Can I get change for it? And I handed her two $5 bills and she handed me one of the bills back. I'll take ones, please. I counted out five ones. And can I have my $20 bill back? Sure. And I handed her the 20 and she handed me back a stack of singles and fives. And do you have change for the 20? I sighed, but gave her some of the fives and some singles back. This went on for a while, and when I got home, I realized that somehow I paid her $5. I also walked a pig. On the phone, I thought Miss Ryan said that she needed me to walk a pug. Hamlet, the pot-bellied pig, was small, fat, and slow. Plus, he snorted constantly and did not want to move. Miss Ryan told me that he would chase after food, so I had to hold some corn in my hand and have him run after me. I was scared to death of banging into something and then having Hamlet jump on top of me to eat all the corn. Then I'd never get him home again. I'd probably never get him off of me either. But it went all right, I guess. We made it around the entire block. 
but I wasn't planning on walking any more pigs. After that, I rode my bike up to Grand River Avenue, my flyers tucked under my arm. I put them on lampposts and car windshields and walls and anything else I could think of. I made you ought to call Otto's dog walking service a household name. Dog walking, not pig walking. But I hadn't been the only one putting up signs. Lexi had been busy. Again, unfortunately for me. Everywhere I turned, I saw signs that made me feel more and more depressed. In the window of the hair salon was a bright pink poster that read, Hair's looking at you, kid, but with Lexi's unmistakable glitter style. When I went to get a better look, my fears were confirmed, and small print at the bottom were the words, Signs by Lexi. I felt dizzy, and I had to sit down on the sidewalk for a moment. I noticed other signs, too. The hardware store featured a poster with a picture of a hammer and the words, It's hammer time at Louis Hardware Store. On the bottom were those three dreadful words that felt like someone had pummeled me in the stomach with a watermelon. Signs by Lexi. I put some of my signs up, but my heart wasn't in it. My signs seemed so small and uninteresting compared to Lexi's glitter monstrosities. Had she earned $500 for a pet? Was she close? I was so far away from earning that much. After doing horrible at school and soccer and losing my best friend, what if I lost the pet war too? The thought was too horrible to even imagine.